Hello, everybody. I'm Corey, and we're talking manpower. Today, I've got an extremely special guest with me. I've got Dr. Robert Steinroff. He's the um, director of the Plans and Resources Directorate here at the Deputy Chief of Staff, G1, and he's a distinguished member of the Senior Executive Service. Dr. Steinroff, thank you very much for being here today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you use manpower analysts and their products on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, one of the jobs that I have is I'm responsible to develop the manpower program for the entire Army. And when you think about the scope of that, it's about a $40 billion endeavor per year just for the active component soldiers. And the reliance I have on a day-to-day -day basis for programming purposes, we have to figure out what that force is going to look like. A key component of that is having the manpower analysis to look at end strength over time and to look at the life cycle of soldiers as they move through the process because we have to get it right. And then the other part of that is on a day-to-day -day basis, we're looking at what we're actually executing and paying soldiers so that we can ensure we have sufficient funds to keep the soldiers paid. And it goes beyond just the soldiers because we also look at the civilian aspect of that and at what is our strength levels, what's the projection, where do we think we're going to be because you want to make sure you have the appropriate amount of money to cover the requirements to pay salaries and you don't want to have extra because if you do some people will take your money, generally Congress or the Office of Secretary of Defense and they'll spend it elsewhere and if you don't have enough money then we have serious problems in trying to make sure we can accomplish what we need to by having the right individuals, the right civilians in the right positions. So pretty much we use uh, manpower analysis work on a daily basis to look at where we are and where we're trying to go in the future. So what are your impressions of the CP26 program, its careerist, and its interns? I've been very impressed um, with the CP26 program. It's one of the better programs that's in the Army as a career program in terms of bringing on talented folks, working to make sure that they get the proper development as interns, and that they have high value to their commands. Uh, I know Burl does a great job of, of reaching out and touching commands to ensure that as they bring interns in, that they're properly trained, that they get experience at different places, and at the same time that the more experienced workforce is properly educated, they get the opportunities to go out and do those things. And I think we've really seen an uptick recently as we're drawing down the Army of interest in what the CP26 analysts do, because trying to figure out as we're looking at headquarters, as we're looking at organizations, how do you manage those, those manpower issues, both military and civilian? And I think a, a key credit to that is the, the quality of the work that you do and just the importance of it is to running the Army on a day-to-day -day basis. So I know you touched on this um, a little earlier, but let's just um, touch on it again. So why are the analysts so critical to the PR directorate? Because we don't know what the future holds. We have to have some way to plan that. And without having people that understand the structure, how manpower changes, what the rules are, and how you can manage that manpower and do the planning, you know, we're pretty much going to get it wrong. We, we rely on the manpower analysts to ensure that as they look forward, what are the plans? And, and the Army is a very dynamic 
organization. It's always in a process of change. Uh, we're trying to grow certain capabilities in one area. We're being reduced by efficiency requirements in another area. But in order to do that properly, you have to understand how you can move your manpower around, what type of manpower you need. And so it's, it's really monitoring and helping plan the day-to-day -day basis for both the larger Army and within the organization itself, as we've been hit with a couple of headquarters reductions that have come about looking at being more efficient or in some cases just being leaner and at the same time being able to accomplish the mission because you want the right set of skills for the people that you have in your organization. So let's switch gears a little bit here and talk a little bit about leadership. I know you're a big proponent of leadership. Um, so what in your mind constitutes a leader? If the leader, it, and I'll break it into two different areas, and I, I would actually refer you to the leadership manual that the Army has, the, the field manual, because it's very good. And it, it talks about the unit leader. It's a, it's a small unit. And it's very important that that individual is positive motivation, that they're showing people how to get things done, and it's very hands-on focused of accomplishing tasks. But you have to be proficient in, in what your tasks are. You have to know your jobs, probably in some cases better than the soldiers or the civilians that are doing them. But you have to be able to bring people together, motivate them to get it done, and drive them to getting the, the task accomplished. Uh, a lot of it is about knowing who your people are because we don't get to pick and choose who we want on the team. Many times we get a team, we, we're put in charge of a team. Some people have strengths in one area and not in another, and you have to figure out how do you blend those together between those that are strong in one special area so that they can not do all the work themselves, but they can do the work and help train somebody who's not quite as strong, so linking folks together. The leader is responsible for pretty much making sure that team stays on task, that it's motivated to do what they might not otherwise want to do, and, and really building a sense of community and organization in which people you know, commit to the team that they want the team to be successful. So what is the difference between a, a good leader and a bad leader? And is it possible to, to learn from both of, both of them? Some of the best things I've learned are what not to do when you're in a leadership role. And those are from leaders that have tried to do it all themselves. They become the, the central point of failure that all actions have to go through versus those that you know, push responsibility down, empower your subordinates and tell them, I'm, I'm holding you to a standard. I'm going to use positive motivation to, to get you to do what you need to do, and I'm going to hold you responsible. But we have to expect our subordinates to do better and have to be able to be professional and do their jobs. As a leader, you're there to make sure that they do that. And if they can't, then you try and facilitate helping to get them to the point they're, they're able to do their job. It becomes important because given you, you have to develop your team, you have to create an organization, you can't just bring the best and the brightest in and expect them to operate. You have to have a team that knows how to work together. Uh, in the unit, uh, the, uh, the leader that's doing that has to have the vision of what needs to get done and also has to be willing to get in there and help. You know, a leader who just directs, and I like to make a distinction between leadership and management. With leadership being the motivation, the vision, the taking care of people, knowing your people, understanding and motivating them is, is one part of it. 
then the manager on the other side is allocating tasks and resources, and it's all about organizing and getting the work done. But leadership really comes down to it's about people and getting those people to be the best that they can be and to contribute to the team, putting the team ahead of themselves and looking up to the leader. The leader in a smaller unit has to be out in front and leading the folks. He has to be looked up to in terms of, he or she has to be looked up to in terms of, this is important, this person knows how to do it, I want to emulate them. And there's also the whole issue of putting the others that you serve, or that you lead, before yourself. And that becomes important as well, servant-style leadership. Well, everyone, that's all we have time for today. Our conversation with Dr. Robert Steinroff will continue on Wednesday. Until then, have a great Army Day.